0: Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries podcast with Pastor James Myers, and now we dive into the Book of Acts. Okay, so again, yeah, we're starting at uh, chapter five, verse seventeen. Remember, this is this really um, continues from two weeks ago, so we kind of have to try to remember, you know, the things we looked at uh, two weeks ago because that kind of leads into this. But we'll we'll revisit. So remember the, Anani- the the story about Ananias and Sapphira, but then afterward, you know, everybody's full of fear, but the church is still growing. The apostles are given, and Peter specifically is given power to heal diseases, even, you know, uh, by the casting of a shadow and all that. So let's go ahead and read. We'll read uh, chapter 5, uh, 17 till the end, and then we'll uh, go into chapter 6 until the 7th verse, uh, because then... Next week we'll look at uh, Stephen, uh, the martyrdom of Stephen, and so the, the end of chapter six leads into that. Um, and chapter seven chapter seven is significant. I mean, it's pretty long, um, so I'll have to f- figure out how to condense that somewhat. But uh, but then we'll kind of get back to kind of doing the whole chapters. Remember, right now we're kind of doing these in chunks because the ca- chapter divisions are sometimes terrible. So anyway, so let's look at, uh, let's go ahead and read it and we'll, we'll consider them individually. Everybody ready? All right. Then the high priest rose up and all who, those who were with him, w- which is a sect of the Sadducees. And they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life when they had heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut uh, the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, <clears throat> look, the men who, whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with, his of, with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought, to obey, we ought to obey God rather than men. Uh, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. The one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. Here's Gamaliel a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan uh, or, or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it but if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you be uh, found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the, as the Christ. Now, in the, oh, sorry, let's go to chapter 6, because we're going to go to verse 7. Now, in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Proctorus, Nicanor, uh, Timon, Parmenus, and Nicholas, a uh, proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God. Spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Okay, so obviously, we have two accounts here, which is the way we have to do it in order to jump to the next um, account, which we'll consider next week. So let's go back to uh, chapter 5, and we'll go to we'll consider uh, verses 17 and 18. Uh, which says, uh, Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in a the common prison. This indignation, the indignation spoken of, uh, they were filled with indignation, is the is same word for zeal uh, or, or jealousy, which exercises, well, Christ, when he uh, overthrew um, the, the, ta- the money exchanger's tables, uh, it was remembered that 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 uh, that verse that said, "Zeal for your house uh, will con- shall consume me," and so zeal for God's house shall consume us. However, also a zeal for the devil's house also consumes us, and that's what their zeal is. That they're 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 full of indignation against these apostles because. Remember when we looked at uh, the, the lame man, the event of the lame man being healed, but they were also preaching the resurrection. So that was part of the problem. But it was also part of the problem that this man was healed and that their teaching is increasing. And we'll see exactly what they, they're they accused of and we'll break that down. Uh, but, but, um, uh, um, um, what was I, um, I remember what I was saying before that. Uh but anyway, <laughs> um uh, anyway, uh so they put their hands on the fall and then and they put them in the common prison That's that's really to tell the other people that these are just common men. That's where I was going because uh, so remember the layman, you know, it was partly the resurrection but it was also the miracles. And the the account that's just before these verses is remember that account of of uh, of great fear filling the church. But there's Peter's given uh, the ability to heal, and that's what's happening. And many believers are coming to the church still, and that's why they're so uh, incensed, and that's why they're so upset, and that's why they're arresting these people, and they're putting them in the common prison. Remember, that didn't, it didn't say that about the lame man. It could have been, they could have been under house arrest, but here they're putting them in the common prison and recognize the intensity of the persecution. It's increasing. Remember, the last one ended with no harm. This one ends with all the apostles beaten, and we'll look at that uh, because it's important. You know, it just it, it's kind of it, it's kind of easy to breeze through that. You know, when they beat them and then you know uh, sent them out, and that and we just read through that. But we'll we'll consider that. Um, yeah, first, give me a minute. Sorry. Um, many, so one of the things also this is the face of unbelief. Okay, where people will get. Incensed against the gospel and against the the increasing of God's church, okay, and that's where that's where these men are incensed. But this is this is what it looks like in different ways in in in, uh, uh, in different characters and in different men. Uh, but but like there there are certain men who just believe that they're just too intelligent for that kind of superstition. You know, they're just they just know too much. But there have been many Augustine, brilliant men, many men. Who are very learned, very very intelligent, who came to believe and co- co-he- uh, you know coherently tell you why, um, and all that kind of a thing. So intelligence shouldn't be um, a factor or a a, a hindrance. Um, and you know the, a lot of people, these people, will think that uh, disbelief in God, disbelief in Christ, is fairly a recent phenomenon. You know, because we were all filled with this superstition until we were enlightened. Until the great enlightenment. And now we just know everything. Now we can be gods ourselves kind of thing. But here we are in the very beginning of the church. And these men not believing. We see other people not believing. So this has been a thing throughout time. Um, Okay. Verse 19 and verse 20. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Okay. So... First of all, we don't really know, we have, we'll see another account uh, in chapter tw- uh, 12 where Peter is, is delivered um, from an angel and it kind of tells you, it, it describes basically what's going on, we, we, it, which is probably what happens here, but it doesn't go into detail. So all we have really is that an angel opened the prison doors. Don't, don't imagine a cell like we see him now where it's kind of open and then are all, you know, is barred up and everything. It's, it, it was an enclosed uh, prison. You know, it's all closed. Even the doors, they'll have this little sliding uh, look-in kind of a deal. Other than that, it's completely closed. They can't see in there at all. That's why, you know, they don't even know they're not in there by the time they go and look for them, okay? So we can't imagine uh, a cell in in uh, contemporary uh, ways. But what the angel tells them is to go stand in the temple and speak to the, the, the people all the words of this life, Christ, okay? We'll, we'll see... Um, when remember when I talked about uh, Peter, given that great profession uh, that that Jesus is the son, you know is the Christ, and but and there are different uh, narratives about that. I mean, basically they're all the same, but some people some uh, include more information. Like uh, John sa- says that Peter uh, uh, when when Peter asked Christ, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we come to, we have, we have come to believe you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And Christ also says in his great prayer, in chapter 17, which we uh, looked at, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This, These are the words of this life. Okay, It's the witness, to the test, it's the testimony of who Christ is. That's the life. Okay, 21. Um, and when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. Before we look at that for a second, notice they, the, the, the apostles didn't hesitate. They got beaten. They got persecuted. But remember also, before that perse- before they're, they're in prison this time, at the end, remember at the end of that last persecution, they're praying for boldness. Remember? Because that's what they, remember, they had noticed these men were speaking boldly and they prayed For Christ to continue His signs and wonders, and that's what they're being persecuted, and that's what He's doing. He's they're still, you know, uh, doing signs and wonders, and He's still giving them boldness. So right after they're beaten, and we'll look at how they were probably beaten, but um, right after they're beaten, they're they're rising early. They can't wait. You know, they can't wait, you know, nobody's out there in the evening, so that wouldn't do us any good to go preach in the temple when nobody's there, you know, but we're definitely going to be the first ones there, you know, and we're going to preach all day. Uh, so the, the council was a Sanhedrin, which we briefly talked about, so there's 70 leaders, including the uh, Pharisees, Sadducees, the, some of the Essenes who we'll look at much later, so there really were technically four sects, and we'll, we'll, we'll see that sects. Of uh, of of Judaism, um, and ancient Jewish uh, tradition says that this council was kind of formed in a half circle, um, and they would have two clerks and then three rows of students in front of them. I just want you to picture the scene, kind of a thing. Uh, and then these these apostles are before are in front of the council, and the students can see them from behind, and they're they're just witnessing, they're learning, kind of a thing. Um, uh, okay. Um, this and yeah, this council is convened to determine what to do with these men. That's what it says. Uh, with the um, came with the, and sent to the prison to have them brought. Okay, um, verse twenty-two and twenty-three. But when the officers came, and did not find them in the prison. They returned and reported, saying, "Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one. Uh, we found no one inside." We'll see later in Acts uh, when when uh, they're they're uh, delivered out of prison, and Herod Agrippa is the ruler at that time, and the the, the uh, guards are killed, which would happen back in the ancient days if if you didn't uh, make sure that the prisoner was still imprisoned, you know you're it's basically assumed you probably helped them escape. Either way, you neglected your duty, and so sure. I mean it's capital punishment. See ya, yeah. Uh, but that doesn't happen here, um, it, and it could be because the Jews didn't do that. We don't know, and, and uh, the Romans did, that kind of a thing. Um, oh, and So God has chosen these men to preach his son, and, and the Spirit fills them. Uh, there's, there are no chains to hold him, or whatever our pathetic efforts may be to contain him, we have thus built a prison for ourselves. So whenever we try to contain him, and especially in prison, him, and through his people, we become a prison for ourselves. We create a prison for ourselves. 24. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. We see at the beginning of this message, uh, so in verse 17, that the Sadducees were with the high priest, right? Um, and in Acts uh, chapter 23, verse 8, Sadducees say that we already know that they don't believe in the resurrection, but they also don't believe in angels or spirits. What a great irony that an angel delivers these people these men out of prison, and they were imprisoned in the temple, and now they're outside preaching in the temple, which these men controlled. So that's the boldness. But but what a great irony, right? These here are the Sadducees who don't even believe in angels or spirits, and here's an angel delivering them out of the prison, and then to go back into their place of authority, kind of thing. Uh, I just think that's awesome. Uh, So, and we also, we know what it, we've talked about this too, conviction and attrition, right? Conviction is that true sorrow, that true repentance. Attrition is more like a kid getting his, you know, getting caught with his hand in the cookie jar. He's not sorry that he did it. He's sorry that he got caught, you know? Uh, And these men are closer, these men are these men are definitely uh, this is attrition. they're they're, they're, not, they're not even convicted. I mean it's not really even but, but they're wondering what the outcome would be. They're kind of like the, the, the student who puts off his studies who doesn't do his homework who doesn't you know apply himself at all and then he gets all anxious about what grade he's going to get and then just continues in the same vacuity, you know the same nonsense and just expects it to you know because he's not sorry for what he's doing. He's just sorry that the score is low. You know it's, it's that kind of a thing and now that that's kind of what they're wondering they're wondering what the outcome would be because you know what what's what's going on here i mean it could mean a number of different things and we're going to look at that uh in in the next one so okay. uh, 25 so one came and told them saying look the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people i can't imagine they imagine that <laughs> and when they're wondering what the outcome would be i doubt very much that's what they expected Okay, I, I I'm sure maybe with all their threats, remember especially the last time, and now they're imprisoned again. Maybe maybe the apostles got so scared they somehow escaped the prison and they fled to the mountains. I mean they're probably thinking all sorts of different things. What they're not thinking is that they're in the temple preaching. Okay, it's 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 amazing. Um, so twenty six. Then the captain went uh, with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they be, sh- uh, lest they should be stoned. So this obviously means that the apostles were f- making a huge impact, and these men so so determined in their darkness, so so so, gee, just so incensed to to bring these people down. They know that they're guilty because otherwise the people will stone them. That's why they come out and take them peacefully, just to show, to make this facade of treating these men decently, so that they're not punished. What they're, what they're afraid of is getting punished. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just this nonsense continually to pervade in darkness. Okay, and it's, it's just a determination to be that way. Um, uh, they're relentless. Yeah, yeah. Um, these leaders are just informed as a people, but, deter- yeah, but determine darkness must heed to determine light, no matter their hopes of repelling it. For remember, death is swallowed up in victory. Remember, we saw that uh, last time. All right, 27 and 28. And I'm sorry, I'm going to try to kind of, because we have a lot here. And so I did a terrible job last time and I'm going to try to do a little bit better this time. All right, 27 and 28. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. The trial, This trial begins with the, mo- the most just ridiculous uh, distortion of accusing... Of really the accusation of what the, and, and then, okay, so did we not strictly uh, command you not to teach in this name? Remember, even after the last one, the, the uh, Peter and John were saying, you know, we ought to obey God rather than, than men. And they, they answered the same thing. So they already know this. Did we not te- strictly command you not to teach in this Yeah, but Christ commanded us to. And so I think we're going to listen to him. You know, uh, which we already told you and look you have filled Jerusalem uh, with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us Okay, so I'm going to kind of really go by this because I don't want to miss anything so first the question implies that these religious rulers uh, cared only for their own authority and not God's beware the vanity of fools who desire to go around in long robes love greetings in the marketplace the best seat in the churches and the best place of feasts. who devour a widows house and for a pretense make long, long prayers they will receive greater condemnation Christ said that That's in Luke uh, chapter uh, 20, verses 46 and 47. The pride which too often attends power is a corruption which sifts down to the most simple. For power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. It's a well-known statement, but it's true. Uh, Second, that the apostles had filled Jerusalem with their doctrine shows the awesome success and faithfulness uh, of God to his church. We'll we'll see in chapter 8 that the persecution in Jerusalem actually drives them out into all of Judea and Samaria. Isn't that interesting? That's why I keep on, kept on repeating what Christ was commanding. Terry in Jerusalem, you go out into all Judea, and then you to Samaria, and then to the uh, uttermost parts of the world. But look how it's done. We'll, we'll and we'll see it in in chapter eight. But it's through persecution. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? God God's will will be done no matter what, and sometimes its ways we don't expect and probably aren't the huge fans of uh, the biggest fans of. But He will be faithful. Um. So, yeah, we'll see that in, in, in chapter 8. Again, the church's diaspora is a great and great divine and sovereign plan of God. It's, he is faithful to his son's commandment, and he graciously, uh, graciously makes his bride just as well. Finally, the insinuation that Christ's blood was not already on their heads is a very ridiculous one, for we see in Matthew 27, 25, and all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. This is when, uh, uh, because remember, Pilate was reluctant to crucify Christ. And so he brought out uh, Barabbas, who was a murderer. And he says, okay, pick one. <laughs> who do you want to release? And they wanted the murder. And, and, but Pilate keeps on saying, you know, I find no reason, I, don't, I find no cause uh, to put this man to death. And so that's when the, the priests and all the, all the rulers, all the leaders pump up all the people to say, his blood be on us and on our ch- all our children, which is just insane, which is just insane. But the blood, they already asked for it to be on their heads. So they're just ignoring any kind of uh, conviction, any possibility of conviction. Uh, these same leaders persuaded the crowds to release a murderer instead of Christ, so, so consumed were they in darkness. Now they see to flee the darkness, but not to light. See how their attrition has congealed their hearts to such insanity. Oh, how sin, how sin does greatly blind men to God. Uh, they should have been convicted to repentance, but they were rather convicted to deception. That's what they're doing. They're deceiving. Remember, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before the, before honor is humility, these leaders seek honor for their pride, and such haughtiness must be destroyed. So that's that section, um, verse twenty nine. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, "We ought to obey God rather than men." Again, we've already talked about that, and and God is the ultimate authority. We are supposed to um, uh, acquiesce and 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 uh, obey even civil magistrates, even the civil authorities. But again, whenever anybody, even your father. Tells you to do, commands you to do something God forbids, or forbids you to do something God commands. God is the ultimate authority, and that's what these men are saying. We ought to obey God rather than men. God comes first. You should know that. Uh, the God of the uh, verse 30, uh, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Okay, here's another part. I'm going to have to read part of Deuteronomy to give some context about the tree. But um, so here again, though, here's remember in that first one when Peter turned the trial around. Remember, they're on trial, and then he says, you murdered whom you murdered, and he's doing the same thing. You know, uh, God, is, God, our, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. And that's what we're going to look at here in a second, but he's turning it around. Now the trial, because these are Christ's ambassadors. These are the real leaders. These are the true men called by God to lead his church. So they're turning it around. You think we're on trial? No, you're on trial. You murdered him and by hanging him on a tree. Now, uh, so... Peter first begins with Christ's resurrection, uh, which again we talked about, which uh, attributed to his uh, atoning death uh, by hanging on a tree. So we see in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22 and 23, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. They, so they who were hung on uh, on a tree were accursed of God, as was our Lord Jesus. We see in Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed, cursed is everyone who, uh, who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, uh, this is continuing his verse, uh, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit, or, 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 of the Spirit through faith. So he bore the curse of all our sins, uh, and his resurrection attests that he was cursed for us and not himself. Okay, and that's what he's he's uh, alluding to here, for he was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. That's in Romans four twenty five. His blood is on their head, is on their heads, and all the world who look not to him for salvation. All right, verse thirty one, him God, God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So. Not only was Christ raised, but he was raised up to heaven. Not only was he raised up to heaven, he's raised to the right hand of God. There's no higher. But so he's saying, you know, uh, first of all, he's exalted. He's not just risen from the dead. He's exalted him to a, to his right hand. He is the most high. That was another title for, for God in the Old Testament. He is most high. Christ, if he's exalted to the right hand of God, is most high. Again, that's the equivalence. That's what we're trying to figure out. That's what we see, though. These these hints, these 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 signs, um, kind of a thing. Um, interestingly, remember we'd seen uh, the the word for prince is uh, what was it? Archagos, uh, and and that's really the 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 author, uh, but basically the but prince. I, I think is I think prince is much better because the the name Israel actually means like prince of God or prince from God, um, that kind of a thing. So I think Peter's actually using a little bit of wordplay here to, you know, he's uh, exalted him to his right hand to be prince, to give repentance to Israel. So he is the prince of whatever prince you think this nation is. He's the ultimate prince. Um, uh, uh, We see salvation through the letters, recognize it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, let's recognize it as God who has exalted him, and so he must be exalted. Um, Paul refers to Christ as the Savior. God raised up for Israel. We are the real Israel. For in Romans 6 uh, or 9, uh, 6 through 13, for they are not all Israel, this is what Paul says, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But this is a quote from the Bible, and Isaac your sheep shall be be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, this is still Paul, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Remember, we've talked about that, the seed of the promise. Uh, for this is the word of the promise. At this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca has also con- also had conceived by one man, even by her father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the per- purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved. But Esau, I have hated. We've talked about that briefly. Um, Okay, I don't know if I have enough time. Jacob, so the the name Israel actually comes from Jacob. God renames him Israel after a story of, he wrestled with a a, man. many people think that it was, it was Christ, uh, and and but he wrestles with this angel. It says a man, but he wrestles with him. I'd love to give you the whole account, but basically at the end. So before that, though, Jacob was fleeing. Uh, uh, he had fled um, his family. Remember, because he had stolen Esau's blessing. And remember, we talked about when he uh, fell asleep, he saw the dream with the ladder ascending into heaven and all the angels ascending and descending. That's separate. Now he's he's meeting back up with Esau basically, and and so but he's he's but when the way he had deceived, in fact, the name Jacob, which James is Jacobes, so James comes from Jacob, but the word the name Jacob actually means deceiver, this one who deceives, and the way he deceived his father was to pretend that he was Esau. Um, uh, Isaac was determined, right, determined to bless Esau. So he pretends that he's Esau because uh, um, uh, Isaac can't see. Um, anyway, so he deceives his father. And, and so he pretends that he's Esau. And so after he wrestles with this angel, the angel you know, uh, the angel saying, let me go. You know, the day is about to, you know, and, and Jacob's like, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so this is a long story, but I'm going to tell you just this part. And the angel says, what is your name? So, and then, and then, and he says, he says, Jacob, he says, now you're called Israel. And, and he goes into all this other stuff, but so he deceived, he had deceived, pretending his name was, you know, he didn't come to his father and said, I'm Jacob. And I'd really like to request a blessing. I know you want to, <laughs> so he didn't come honestly, but he was honest with the angel and admitted, I am a deceiver. My name is Jacob. And I, you know, we believe it's Christ there changes his name to Prince, Prince from God, the Prince from God. And that is the name that carries on with his people after that. It's a beautiful, and we'll look at that another time. That was a terrible way of explaining it, but it's it's a beautiful depiction of of how we get the name Israel. All right, verse 32. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So, even though their testimony isn't enough, which should have been enough to convince them. Remember, you only needed two tes- testimonies of two men. Um, and these are, tes- these are testimonies by a bunch of different people, not just the apostles. Uh, but the Holy Spirit had sent, or God had sent his Holy Spirit. Spirit is witness too. That's, when, uh, that's why he says, and we are witnesses, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. You know about this. That day of Pentecost didn't happen in a vacuum. You know, everybody knows about this. Everybody saw us speaking up. Everybody heard that sound. And Everybody saw the lame man. Everybody saw the, the, the us being persecuted and that deliverance and, and the boldness and, and, and Christ still working in and through his church by healing people. and Signs and wonders are being done. So the Holy Spirit is also witnessing to this. Um, and so verse 33, when they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. I mean, again, so they had just said, Now you, they accused them of, now you, you're, you're trying to bring this uh, man's blood on our heads. No, no sooner you know, do they hear one kind of defense, they're set to kill them. They're set to kill, put their blood on their heads because they don't think about it. They're just so wrapped up in their dark nonsense. They just, they just crave blood. And, and if anybody is going to usurp their supposed authority, they're going to die. Um Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, thirty-four. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. So this man, Gamaliel, I know we've mentioned him before. Uh, he's, he's well known throughout history. Uh, he, he was probably the grandson of a, uh, uh, of a rabbi, Hillel. Uh, it, so there became kind of two schools of uh, Jewish law interpretation. You'd have uh, the, the, uh, the school of Hillel and the uh, school of Shammai. Yeah, Shammai. Uh, but the, the, the school of Hillel really were more lenient. They they, they they saw the law much more lenient than uh, the Shammai. Uh but he was he was probably his grand and grandson. There are many. I mean, he was very. He was actually the teacher of Paul. Paul says, uh, "Well, we see in uh, Acts twenty two verse three that uh, that he was a pupil of Gamaliel." There's a lot to know about Gamaliel, but you know, for this study, it's not all that important. So, I mean, if you want to look him up, you know. Uh, I didn't, I didn't I don't, neither encourage or discourage, uh, but he would, so, but Paul was a pupil of him, and here Gamaliel is defending the apostles, somewhat, we'll, we'll get into that, but he is, which means, and then Saul <coughs> is persecuting the church, so he apparently disagreed with his uh, rabbi in this respect, that, you know, this leniency deal, uh, uh, Paul didn't uh, agree with too much. Verse 35, and he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you, what you intend to do uh, regarding these men. Now, this begins a very humble uh, uh, and coherent argument, but it's really more pract- uh, out of practicality, not persuasion. He's not, you know, he's not saying, you know, be careful what you do. And then even later on, he says, let's just continue. Well, he's not saying... We ought to consider what these men are saying, because if this this is of God, you know, then you're you know you're gonna find you're gonna find yourself to be against God, and that's what happened. I mean, that's still what happens. But you, they're not. He's not saying take heed to yourself. To if this is what God's doing, and if God God is indwelling these men. You know, be care, take heed of what you do, because you know, out of practical reasons, you know, you might find yourself against God. How about you listen to him, you know, and actually heed what they're saying? That would be a very cogent argument. <laughs> um, okay, thirty six and thirty seven. For some time ago, Theodos uh, rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away uh, many people after him. He also perished, He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. Okay, so the Theodos, uh, the Theodos uh, in the, the first name... It, the name was probably Judas. So in uh, Josephus's uh, uh, works of Antiquities, and he's got a, a, a book on war, so different wars that the Israelites uh, were 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 part of throughout history, and goes into the Maccabean War. Anyway, um, uh, one of the guys' names is Judith, Judas, and the names are very similar. Actually, I actually have a picture, but uh, they're very similar uh, in the Greek. Um, but he was uh, he was a man who really took over, um, what's the name's place? Uh, Sepphoris. Uh, he, he led an armed uh, insurrection uh, against the palace of, at that, uh, of that city. He, he claimed he was of the royal lineage and was trying to make himself king, a prince. Okay? Uh, and, 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 he, and so Josephus even says, he became terrible to all men by tearing and rendering those that came near him, and this in order to raise himself, and out of an ambitious desire of the royal dignity, and he hoped to obtain that as the reward not of his virtuous skill in war uh, but of his but of his extravagance in doing injuries so that's how he came to nothing too because his brutality later Judas of Galilee and this is definitely probably this has to be who who this is but he led a revolt against the Romans uh, really uh, uh, revolting against their uh, authority and their taxes especially their taxation though um, he was a son of a man named as and um, he had been ahead, Josephus said that he had been ahead of the robbers, which is another big story. He, uh, no, uh, yeah, which became, yeah. Um, so this revolt failed. The Judas of Galilee failed, but it, it kind of continued. He probably started the fourth sect of Judaism, which is called the Zealots. Now, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes didn't like them, but the Zealots were really kind of the terrorists of that day. Certainly Rome considered them as terrorists and uh, the other Jews considered them as terrorists because they would plot and kill Romans they hated tax collectors, hated tax collectors. Those were were considered betrayers even to the common people. But to zealots, they'd go after tax collectors too. Uh, So we see that one of Christ's apostles, Simon, is called Simon the Zealot. So he's one of them. He's one of them. And, and, he, and Christ calls him. Matthew was a tax collector. Mm. That must have been interesting. <laughs> that might have been interesting. They probably needed some softening from Christ. But in that, in the in the providence of God, in in the incredible majesty of Christ, He brings these two completely opposite men and calls them for Himself. And they must come together. They must be one and united. Whatever discontents they had at the beginning are. Are fallen under the headship of Christ. Right. Thirty-eight and thirty-nine, and now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan uh, or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you can you cannot overthrow it, lest you uh, be found to fight against God. Again, we we kind of talked about this. Again, this 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 uh, this council seems wise and astute, but ultimately he's he's not penetrating the ultimate. What this would suggest ultimately. So, but if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you be even be found to fight against God. Now, how does it not get to where, if that's a consideration, then they need to take the next step, and instead of like just not persecuting these people, if the if this is of God, then we need to come under it. You know, this ought to be a conviction for repentance and turning around. But um, so again, Gamaliel is held in. Throughout history, as a very sage, wise man, uh, I say in 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 one respect he was. Uh, but I say for the Christian, he's kind of a sign of false hope, um, if that makes sense. Mm. All right, verse 40. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that uh, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let uh, let them go. Okay, I'm going to read this because they're we'll go back to Deuteronomy. So the, wise, the, the council agreed with the weak sagacity of Gamaliel, but they called in the apostles, beat them, and disallowed them to speak in the name of Jesus. Here's the first account of physical harm done to Christ's church. Let us not vainly assume it was a meek beating. No, they must, put, they, they must make a point worth the apostles relenting, right? They're, they're going to beat them so that they stopped preaching this. And this is, you know, the first time we warned them. And remember, they warned them with death. That's still the warning. So we're going to beat them into submission this, is, this they didn't go and slap Peter you know a couple times to, or even put them down and kind of everybody's kicking him around no what, what remember we had seen what Paul had gone through and one of the things he, he was given was uh, five times he was given uh, 40 lashes minus one. In Deuteronomy we'll, we'll look at that in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 25 1 through3 it says if there's a dispute between men and they come to court that the, uh, that the judge may, judges may judge them, and they justify the righteous and condemn the wicked when it shall be if the wicked man deserves to be beaten that the judge will cause him to lie down and be beaten in his presence according to his guilt with a certain number of blows 40 blows he may give him and no more lest he should exceed this and beat him with many blows above these and your brother be humiliated in your sight so this is a, this is a very just command of god but it's but it's measured with mercy you know yes if 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 you deserve if the man deserves this beating Yes, but you can't go above it this way, this much, and you're not to that brother isn't to suffer humiliation. Okay, he is he is to be punished, but you're not called to humiliate him. Many men in who opposing their enemies seek to humiliate their enemies. What God is saying is, he's still your brother; he's not your enemy. Punish him, you know, when it's just and right, but not beyond his his integrity kind of a thing. So, but what what the Jews came out, so the the 40 lashes minus one, what they turned this into basically was, instead of the 40 lashes, they're going to do 39 because they're afraid that they might actually accidentally strike twice on the last one or uh, just silly things. They totally lose the essence of what this command is and they don't care about humiliation. Um, And that's, so this is what, so, the lashes aren't the same that Christ had with the Romans, which we've seen has shards to cut the flesh. Now, these are probably rods. It's a flogging that's uh, done really with a rod uh, and was a punishment really primarily for blasphemy. That's what these men are accusing these. Um, so I can assure you this council spared not the rod. Now, as a father to correct his son, in Proverbs, it says, uh, in Proverbs 13, 24, it says, um, he who spares the rod hates his son. So the one who won't discipline his son ultimately hates him, and but they but uh, they're beating them again into submission. There's no this is not like a father to his son. This is like a tyrant to their subjects. This is like a despot to his serfs. You know that kind of a thing. Um, uh, last minute. This punishment. is... Communion. Yeah. Okay. I already said that. Um, forty one and forty two. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And daily in the temple in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching uh, Jesus is the Christ. They rejoiced. Remember, we we talked about how that that was going to happen. They rejoiced. They they just got beaten to an inch of their life, and they're rejoicing. They're thanking God over. Remember in the book of James where he says, uh, "When uh, rejoice when you uh, when you have trials." And, 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 and tribulations for, for these will, will grow patience in you and patience comes long-suffering and which will increase your faith. But these men are praising God that they were called worthy to suffer. Christ suffered. And remember, the greatest testimony of the church, one of the greatest testimonies of the church is her persecution. When she's persecuted, she is at her greatest witness for Christ. She always has been. She always has been. To suffer for him is the most glorious call in all the ways. I love the idea that God has called me to preach his... I love it. I've come to a place where I realize I just can't think of a a higher honor, and I'm just completely humbled. But to suffer for him, that's the next level. That is the next level kind of thing. Uh, Not not vainly like we saw in the uh, chapter about love where you know they're doing it for pride and we saw how Paul uh, rejects that as well but a true true humble willingness to die for the cause of Christ not for their fame you know Stephen isn't martyred so that he can rem- so that we can see his name forever Stephen is martyred as a faithful witness witness to Christ and it's you know but these men are praising God and daily in the temple in every house that they, they got beaten and again they were commanded not to teach in his name they immediately raise up the next or wake up early the next morning and go into the temple and they are preaching in every house and they did not cease teaching and preaching jesus is the christ remember they prayed for boldness and god is granting it they're, they're this they're completely fearless if god if christ condemns you not who can condemn you if if christ is saving you if god saves you what enemy is there worth even considering who who is there to be afraid of what 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 subject what object what person should we put fear into and of we have a god who reigns supreme christ is the most high and he has saved us we don't need to fear anybody we need to fear god in reverence and and in worship but when we're saved there's no man on this earth worth being afraid or of which to be afraid okay now we're going to chapter six and we're going to kind of try to breeze through these i don't know how long how long are we going here okay yeah we're gonna have to kind of. All right. Uh, so six one. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So again, by God's grace, the church continues to flourish. Um, I, I don't, I don't have any problem with churches having a huge number of congregation. I so I don't decry large churches. I decry dead churches, dark churches. A, a faithful, even local church filled with faithful men and women is a glorious idea that would be beautiful I have no problem with that that's that's fantastic God's God's building his church and he'll build them more in one area more in another there's nothing wrong with that uh, but yeah the uh, uh, the dark churches are the problem um, let's see mention is never the cool um, okay there arose a complaint complaints are not evil in and of themselves i've requested complaints you know i'm more than happy to get complaints but this is more of a murmuring this is actually kind of a murmuring this is kind of a gossip so it says the rose complaint but it's not the word actually doesn't suggest that these people were actually coming to the apostles and complaining it suggests that these people were kind of crying you know uh, complaining and gossiping behind closed doors and the apostles found out about it kind of thing they they, they learned about it um uh we see in uh, John chapter 7, 12 and 13, and there was much complaining among the people concerning him, this Christ. Some said he is good. Others said no, uh, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. So there are many different reasons that these people aren't uh, speaking openly. Uh, Paul exhorts the Philippians to do all things without complaining and disputing in 2.14. In Peter enc- encourages believers to be hospitable to one another without grumbling in his first letter. Um, we see, we see them with the Israelites in the wilderness. There was much murmuring. Uh, we'll, we'll see that another time. But they are constantly complaining and murmuring. Uh, so again, this isn't like a humble request for remediation. This, this isn't these people coming to the apostles and, you know, humbly just asking, "Hey, I think we're, I think they're, we're getting a little less of the pie," kind of a thing. This is a gossip of sorts, uh, polluting their um, uh, purity. So the murmuring was by the Hellenists against the Hebrews. Now, the Hellenists were Greek, Greek-speaking Jews. So you have uh, Hebrew-speaking Jews, Aramaic-speaking Jews, and Greek-speaking Jews. Uh, Hebrews, obviously, that's what the, the native language of, of Israel always was. Aramaic was kind of a combination, kind of a little bit of a mixture. It took some Greek into the Hebrew, basically. So it's kind of a combination, but it's closer to Hebrew. It's, what, it's likely what Christ spoke, is Aramaic. Um, and then you had uh, Greek speaking Jews who knew nothing of Hebrew or Aramaic. And so what probably is the case what when they're see- when they're, you know the daily distributions and everything I bet they ju- I, I assume I think that they just assumed that they were neglected in the distribution because you know they would be seeing they would typically be seen less than the Hebrew or the Aramaic speaking Jew uh, in, in in times before the apostles. but now these are apostles so, I mean, and it doesn't say that they were actually um, uh, deprived or neglected in the daily distribution. It's basically suggesting that that's what they were complaining about. They they just assumed this was the case, kind of a thing. Um, so again, yeah, whether the widows were actually being neglected is not immediately clear, but I but I surmise they were they were not. Again, I think it rose out of empty victimhood and false presumptions. Right, verse 2. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So the apostles then summoned the multitude. Here we go again. Let's picture the scene. Let's picture the scene. Here's, here's the first complaint coming from the church. Ananias and Sapphira weren't complaining. This is the first complaint and dispute against the church. And the first thing that happens is the apostles, Christ's ambassadors, all together all the church together beautiful wonderful set the scene don't miss a thing it's very beautiful very and very appropriate um uh, sweet yeah um so and let us also recognize that they don't they don't take any time defending themselves or uh, admonish false accusations. So they're not saying, you know, no, 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 no. And, you know, how dare you, you know, even assume this. You know, we're apostles and all that. They don't do that at all. They just say, it is not desirable uh, that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. We'll get to the ta- tables here. Well, the, the tables, think of uh, the tables that Christ overthrew. Those are for money changers. In fact, when uh, uh, in Luke nineteen twenty three. Uh, not the year, but chapter 19, verse 23. Uh, Jesus says, referring to the wicked servant, which we talked about briefly, uh, Why then did you not put my b- money in the bank that at my coming I might have uh, collected it with interest? The Greek word for bank is trapeza, uh, and the same word is in verse 2. So, same thing as table. So, bank is also table. So, it's really a financial transaction. It's not like they're saying, you know, we ought we to, you know, we're going to stop serving tables like a waiter. It's not that. It's, it's like, you know, um, and they don't admonish the serving of tables either. And they even have these huge requisites for those who are going to attend it. They're basically saying our primary ministry is uh, 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 the word of God, preaching the word of God and prayer. So it's not desirable that we should leave this to serve a very appropriate and, and very important essential ministry. But we just can't leave the first one to do this. So, um, Mm -hmm. um, and the the word desirable really is is closer to unpleasing than undesirable. Um, All other Greek uses in the New Testament render it so it's more of a desire. Okay. Um, Three. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you uh, seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Okay, real quickly um so this this is first this is the first election or this you know election of deacons so we we get the word deacon from so the distribution the word distribution up there uh um where they were being neglected and the next verse in verse 4 where it actually says ministry the greek word is diacone and and that's that's where we get the word deacon it's it's really a minister uh, but it's the same word. So they're, again, saying that this ministry of distribution is a bona fide and true and good uh, uh, ministry worth uh, having. And again, they're, they're the, the criteria isn't that just choose out some people that you trust. <laughs> he says, Choose from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, whom we may appoint over this business. Um, Paul talks about uh, um, um, deacons in his pastoral epistle to Timothy. Um, well, I don't know what chapter, but it's in here. Uh, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let, uh, let these also first be tested, then, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let, de- let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children with in their-, their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So that's who these men are. That's who these men are. Men of good reputation and very godly men. Uh, verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Again. This basically goes back to what I was saying. This is their primary objective. This, is, this was the command given to them by Christ. And that's, that's their primary objective, objective. Again, this one's worthy to, still two. Uh Verse 5. And the same pleased the, mul- the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of uh, faith and the Holy Spirit. And Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. So this, this wisdom, this solution, was, was pleasing to the multitudes. And remember... They were, it wasn't, you know, it was displeasing that they should leave the word and, and fill. So what was displeasing is now being pleased. Um, uh, this is the first selection of deacons. And, and we have scant information regarding most of them, uh, but let's, let's consider them going from the last to um, the, the first. Uh, Nicholas was from Antioch. We don't really know anything else about Nicholas, uh, except that he was um, a proselyte from uh, Antioch, so he became a believer in, in Judaism first. Uh, but Antioch is, is, is throughout, chapter, is, uh, throughout uh, Acts. It's very important, so that's why he's mentioning uh, Antioch specifically. Other than Philip and Stephen, nothing else is known of these other men. Uh, we, we'll see Philip in chapter 8. Stephen is especially mentioned as his foreshadowing of what is about to come, uh, but also uh, met the apostles' requirements for being filled with the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of faith. That's what, he, that's what he's uh, uh, described as. as. As you cannot have the one without the other. You can't have the Holy Spirit without faith. You can't have faith without the Holy Spirit. Uh, okay, we will see him in our next study. Right, verse 6. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. The church... Set the men uh, before the apostles. A man, a most appropriate calling, really. The church calls the minister, and the minister is appointed and anointed by the ministers. And that's what's going on here. So, and beware the man who calls himself. Man is supposed to be called by the church and ordained by a leadership of the church. Uh, verse seven, and the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Okay, now I'm just going to kind of read because I'm going to, we're just going to jump into the conclusion from here. The wisdom of the solution is quickly taking uh, effects as the word of uh, God uh, spreads. Sorry about all that. Uh, Luke links the spreading of his word as the means of the disciples multiplying. Note: true preaching requires true faith. True faith requires true preaching. It's very important for us to remember. True preaching requires true faith. True faith requires true preaching. It's a symbiotic, beautiful relationship. Now, even uh, now, excuse me. Even a great number of priests are coming to faith. Incidentally, the priests administered resources from tithes for the relief of widows and others in need. We see that in Deuteronomy. So Luke could be suggesting their hearts were opened upon seeing the follow followers of Christ faithfully doing the same. However, for all for all the proper gratitude this may conjure, I think Luke adds this for an additional reason. Spoiler alert, we already talked about this, but um, this account is followed by the martyrdom of Stephen. uh, And a great persecution we will see in chapter 8. as the grace of God is unabounded, the devil's evil is unrelenting. He is like the hydra who grows two heads when one is cut off. When Satan loses devils, he sends a legion in response. Okay, this is the conclusion we're going to... Okay. Consideration of the devil can be replete with many illusions, many of which are his own doing. For example, we picture him as kind of a goat man with horns and a triton. This is an absurd imagination which is stirred by his own elixir. If we find him fanciful, we will find him harmless. We hesitate to believe such a devil exists. That is precisely what he'd like. While Christ implores our faith in him, the devil dissuades any such thing. His power lies in the shadows. But if we are to believe what our blessed Lord says, then be sure that dark enemy is indeed real and must be battled upon the ground on which we're saved. This same temporal world in which we were delivered is the same in which we are devoured. For Peter said in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, 8-11, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called, up, uh, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. To be sober and vigilant is to always be diligent in watching. For Christ said, Blessed are those servants whom the Master, uh, when he comes, will find watching. Surely I say to you that he will gird himself and have uh, them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. The watching is the same word for vigilance. We must watch for the devil even as we watch for our Lord but obviously for different reasons. The devil is our adversary. Christ is our advocate. The devil is a roaring lion. Christ is the gentle lion, though not a tame one. Uh, The the devil seeks whom he may devour. Christ seeks whom he will save. We must resist the devil and he will flee from us. James 4, 7. Rather, we are to draw near to God and he will draw near to us. James 4, 8. We must be steadfast in the faith. Strong, firm, immovable, solid, hard. A little stubborn in faith. For we know our brotherhood in Christ accomplished likewise but the god of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus also also calls us to this battle the war is won but the battle is raged for now until the victory is full by suffering thus he perfects us for as Christ is perfect he su- he suffered ultimately by suffering thus he establishes us he establishes us for as Christ is the chief cornerstone we are stable and fixed to him by suffering thus he strengthens us for he is strong for as he is strong, he makes strong. For suffering thus, By suffering thus, he settles us. For as he has laid the foundation, there we are settled from the foundation of the world. Peter then prays for God to have the glory and the dominion forever and ever. He prays not to plead God only, but to command his readers to give God all the glory and dominion forever. When we sin, we rob God of his rightful majesty, and the devil is our king. We give him dominion which is not his. We must turn away from him and seek after God to render to him that which is his forever and ever, world without end. Okay, this one I wrote really for the the boys. So it's kind of, yeah, sound might be, hmm? Is it the one you said? Yeah, that's what, yeah. I wanted to share it while Jay was here. Uh, so <clears throat> when I'm attracted to all of these constant distractions, when I've detached in my mind all the whys and abstractions, I try to sit back to battle my factions, not to retract to unfounded reactions. For still is the fact that my Christ is the action. His rightified pact has made God's satisfaction. But amidst all the daily impacts and attacking, it seems hard to refract when the, to the light when it's lacking. But I have to subtract with my emptiness stacking, with my emptiness stacking, hang it back on the rack when my conscience is slacking, and return to the tract of God's still faithful backing that have never laid flat on the bed of my flacking. When trials and troubles amass as assassins, when chaos confusion surpass all my rations, a peace in my heart attached in like fashion to joy, to joy in Christ's massive massive compassion. To his grace alone I must at last be fastened. For all of my soul, he's attached to his passion. Thank you for listening to Fire Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. We hope you enjoy this message. Please subscribe and follow us. Tune in as we continue in the Book of Acts.